And now part two of the West Virginia Writers Publishing Panel as recorded at Taylor Books on June the 19th. If you missed part one, it is available at our website, podcast.wvwriters.org. We start this portion of the panel off with a question for writer Brian Hatcher. Yes, uh, first of all, I want to say a nice Lovecraft reference in your book title. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, uh, second of all, I was curious, uh, could you tell, uh, how exactly is uh, the supernatural fiction market anyway? Uh, what exactly are people looking for in that? Wow, that's a, I mean, that's that's a good question. Um one of the one thing that I would I, I would definitely say is that markets for short fiction are are kind of I mean but that's across the board markets for for short fiction are not that good right now anthologies are a really good market magazines come and go um, I will tell as far as as far as uh, fantasy science fiction horror that and genre markets a really good free resource you can go to to find these markets is Duotrope.com. Duotrope, D-U-O-T-R-O-P-E. It's a it's a it's a free um, uh, guide, and it, it gives you uh, poetry and fiction for for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Uh, another good free website. It's not as good as Duotrope, but it's called um, Raylan, R-A-L-A-N dot com, and you can find market listings there. Um, they don't do your. It, it's a good way to find out about markets, but it's not a replacement for for research. You definitely want to you definitely want to check out uh, the publisher and go to their website. Um, if they are, and not just not just in finding out you know what they want from you, but also to make a decision if this is the kind of market you want to you want to uh, submit to. Because in this day and age, with with po- you know with POD you know print on demand, uh, any Yahoo can can put up a free we- can get a free website and say I'm I'm doing a magazine. You know, anybody could do that. So, you know, it's it's like Douglas Winter said, and Douglas Winter was a teacher of both of ours. He said, in this day and age, if you want to get published, you can get published. If you want your words in a book, you can do it. I mean, it's not hard. Uh, you can be published tomorrow if you want, but it's important to be published well. You know, very, you know, it's... It's especially when you've been doing it for a while and you don't feel like you know you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. It's really easy to to go to some self-publisher, some vanity publisher. It's it's really you know it's really tempting to do that. But if you can hold off on that temptation and pay your dues and and get vetted and learn the craft. I mean, I started writing in 1987 is when I decided I wanted I wanted to be a writer. And my first semi-pro piece was published in 2007, which makes Ten. 20 years. 20 years that I was writing and got nowhere. Most writers, most most people who try to try to do this and and don't make it, very often they quit right before the right before they were going to break through. 20 years sounds like a long time, but if you're willing. You know, maybe you're you know, very likely you're smarter than I am. It might not take 20 years, but if but if you will stick to it until you know you stick to it as long as it takes, and you improve your craft, and you just keep at it and keep at it, you write every day. You know, almost just about every day you keep doing it. You keep sending stuff out. You get rejections. You say, thing, you know, turn around and send it to somebody else. If you keep at it, you'll make it. You know, so. Yes, ma'am. Yes, hi. 
Um, I have two segments. Uh, but first of all, that I'm going to offer a bit of information for anybody who might be interested about New York mainstream publishing that hasn't really been brought up yet. That I am a published author. Um, I'm Charleston born and bred, but I live in New York, and mm-hmm. and uh, but that I've written a number of books uh, uh, sort of within the training of organizational time management, and uh, written five books in that field with Random House and mm-hmm. Morton and. Main Street publishers, and so if any, but one thing you haven't mentioned yet is, you know, on people who make a significant income, you're right, very few people can actually make a living out of being an author, but but there are a fair number of people who can have a significant portion of their income in, in from royalties. So the relationship with a literary agent, uh, something about the basic structure of the contract, you know, in from the point of view of, of the author. So that's <coughs> question for me, that's fine. But then I have a question, which is about, um, as an author, um, what do you all take to be the huge question mark that hangs over the word Kindle? Because Kindles are sold for $9.95, and given the traditional uh, royalty relationship an author has, and no author, but they are Stephen King at that level, can make uh, any kind of a... Um, meaningful income on that. And so I'd be really interested in um, your We we are just starting to develop our ebooks program. Um I'm we are just starting to develop our ebooks program and I don't believe all books on Kindle are just nine ninety five now. That's I've true. seen mm-hmm. some more academic books especially all that have gone up gone up. Yeah. yeah. Um so I don't think we're going to head in that direction if we don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely a sticky situation for publishers and mm-hmm. authors. So, um, but fortunately, through our distributor, we can develop relationships with Kindle or Barnes and Noble or you know ePocket and um, all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a weird situation for everyone. <laughs> but it's something. But I don't think authors or publishers can avoid it any longer. So it's just something we need to deal with, despite all the struggles that with it. So. One of the neat things I'm seeing right now is I have a lot of friends who are mass market paperback uh, writers who have done very well. And because of their name, they they have the uh, the backlog of uh, their their you know their books that they that are no longer being published. And they are putting them on Kindle they themselves, themselves not their and they're making 100% yeah, of profits. Yeah, you oh, can, yeah. You can, yeah, you, if you have an author account with Amazon, you can put yeah. your books in there. You just need to, you just have to format it correctly, so yeah. anyone can do it. Oh yeah. So that, and that's one thing about electronic publishing is that since I mean you don't have to warehouse an electronic yeah. book, books can stay in print for a, for a lot longer. I mean it can be it can be very positive. I mean. E-publishing can be very positive. I mean, there's a lot of debates going on right now, the whole thing with Amazon versus Macmillan, mm-hmm. you know, about the price point and all that. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, it, it is, there are a lot of growing pains. Mm-hmm. But the idea that, that somebody halfway around the world could get a copy of my book in 45 seconds and read it on their phone, I, I, I like that. It could be a real balance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are good things about it. Yeah, I mean, again... I mean, we're still. I mean, we're still trying to, you know, still looking at, um, you know, what is this going to mean? And you working with New York pu- publishers, you realize that very often they're the last ones to know. You know, they could be the last ones to know. But again, you know, it's the same thing with visual media and YouTube. I mean, Hollywood is now kind of getting the idea that that 
that people might want to watch a five or ten minute movie. Mm -hmm. And they're actually developed, now they're getting to a point where they're starting to develop studios to, to produce five and ten minute movies mm -hmm. to, to put, to do, to do that. That's like a flash fiction, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like Ab absolutely. And doing serial on the internet, you know. Mm -hmm. the, the technology, yeah, the technology could be really exciting um, if it's used right and if, mm -hmm. you know, if the author is, you know, if the author is savvy, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think that it can be a very, po it could be a very positive thing. Now, yeah, it could also be a really terrible thing too. Mm -hmm. um, but right now, we're just, we're really in, the, in a birthing stage for all of this. And I have, I have, I have several friends who are editors and publishers in New York, and the they're still looking at everything and and get doing the research, and a lot of the stuff that they're saying that's pointing to right now is the fact that most people who buy on the Kindle would not have bought the hard copy. Yeah. And so <coughs> essentially you're you're tapping into an untapped market. It's a new market. Yeah, it's a new yeah. market. It's a, we, we're looking at it as an adjunct market. Mm -hmm. yeah. Starting with our backlist titles, maybe they're out of print or mm -hmm. we don't have that many in inventory. Mm -hmm. One thing I won't do is... I haven't convinced myself to do is put the children's books up because it's like giving away the artwork. Sure. For the art. The yeah, it's the art. And, you know, that's the body of a children's. Now, one thing though is that with electronic books, obviously, it's not as easy to browse uh, Kindle as it would be to walk through a bookstore. So marketing becomes paramount in, of importance at that point. If you want people to know about your book. They're, they're not as likely to stumble onto it. So you have to become more marketing savvy. One thing that authors tend to take for granted is they, they think of the writing side of everything, but they forget about marketing their book. They just assume that a publisher is going to take care of that for them. And even and even a New York publisher, they may have three or four titles that, that they pr promote, but they don't really have money to, to promote to other people. So as, as difficult as it can be for some of us to get out and, you know, to promote ourselves, it can be, you know, it can be very tough because you're talking about something of yours and I mean, but keep in mind, as a writer, what what you're saying ultimately is that you, I'm a writer. I've written something so wonderful that not only do I think you should read it, but you should pay for the privilege to do so. How conceited is that, really? But there's nothing wrong with that. But there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you may have you you know if if it's good enough to be published, then yeah, somebody should pay to read it. So, but. You know, don't. I mean, there's a, there's a, obviously there's a certain uh, point that we shouldn't cr you know shouldn't cross. I mean, there's there's pushy and there, but but there's but there's publicity also. You know, you should be willing to put yourself out there and and do your own publicity because yes, ultimately, you know who uh, you know who's reading who wants to read your books. And with social media now, I mean, I have people from the Philippines that read my blog, and I have no idea why. Uh, but I don't they either. do. It's you know you do the search and it's like there's there are people from the Philippines that check in and, and to find out what I'm doing. And one thing about that is you can do that from home. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You don't have to pay to travel. Yeah. Um, this author Rick Robinson. This is his third novel. Um, he is a political thriller writer writing from experience. Did and he do the red shoe? What was it? Yeah, Manifest Destiny. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, He's an awesome. Maximum guy. contributions. So this was the third novel. We just released it in April, and we worked uh, nine months on marketing this book. And Rick is really good 
on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, he does the whole thing. So what, what we, he did is we released the first two chapters for free to his fans and anybody that came onto his Facebook and took their feedback. So we had hundreds of people have input into this novel. So you created junkies, didn't you? That's what you did. Oh yeah. Well, he already had fans with the, with the third book, so you know yeah. he took advantage of it, and they loved it. Yeah. And he let them name a few of the the minor sure. characters. Yeah. So it got a lot more people involved. So when the book came out, you know they wanted a copy. They wanted a copy for their friends. You know, or, you one know. tip here. That, that's a great idea because Amazon can be scammed. You can have your you know these reviews so called from your right. brother and sister and your mother in law. You know, I mean it can be gained really. Uh, and uh, whereas this the Facebook thing sounds like quite. A oh yeah. Of course, the caveat to all of this is that publicity is good. Putting yourself out there is good. Job number one for the writer is to get it written. Yeah. If you got nothing to market. You know, you got, you've got nothing. So it's easy to get caught up in all these other things, but always get the thing written. You know, definitely. Okay. This lady right here. Well, so, sort of a two-part question. Number one, you know, because I've heard other people say the demise of the printed book is just so many years away. But I'm, I'm wondering two things. Au contraire, from what you're talking about, that the e-books can actually be teasers and actually increase the sale of printed books. Is this just horribly optimistic or is this a real possibility? And the other question is, is there an age difference in, 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 the, in your market? Like how do younger people relate to e-books differently from older people? You know, I mean, like as an older person, I don't, my, my husband who is older than I, he sits and he reads his damned um, on, on his iPhone and he'll be more Where we're finding a lot of the e-books are really popular are in nursing homes and that type of thing and audio books too. Yeah. Print. Yes. That's because you can change the, the type. Uh, my mother, who has now passed away, would never buy the hardback book when it came out because it was too heavy to hold her bed. She would wait for the paperback. Mm -hmm. So you have those customers out there. I think generally the industry uh, is in agreement that a book you can hold in your hand will never go away. Yeah. And I think we need to look at electronic publishing as an extension of what we do to increase our sales. Right here. Uh, I actually want to backtrack a little bit if that's all right. I, sure. I came in a little bit late, but you were talking about finding the right publisher, and I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about specific strategies for doing that. Um, I mean, do I just get online and type publishers? <laughs> what's, what's the subject of your book, uh, and what's your story? What's the genre? You can, what you need to do is you need to target and target within a target. The book that I did, the first one that I did, uh, was not only was it in, in a... I was looking for Christian publishers, but uh, to do radio programs, so I had to go into a, a target within the target. So I was looking at pastors and people who would want to do. So you have to to search publishers who are publishing to that that particular target. And the more that you can narrow it down, the, yeah. the far better you're going to be. Look for books that are similar to yes. yours and see who's yeah, publishing exactly. that. And you also, whenever you send out a query letter or you send out a book proposal, you want to let them know that you know the books that they do and how yours will fit in their catalog. 
and why yours is different than everyone else's in their catalog and why you have something to say that can complement the rest of their catalog. Yeah. This lady in the back, we'll get to you. I'm in a rather unique situation. Um, I, I will be going on 40 years of teaching, and I'm an English speech teacher. I like to feel a hard back with my hand. I'm a sensual person. Oh, yeah. We love uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have one children's book and one nonfiction book in my head that with a passion I want to produce. After that, I have no desire to be an author. I just want to enjoy your books and love them, okay? Mm -hmm. Because I've taught for 40 years and I've seen over all these years the difference in parenting skills and the meanness that has come out in children and the apathy and the desire not to learn anymore. I have, I have a children's book that has a message. Uh, that no matter who your parent is, it happened to my child when he was in third grade, no matter who your child is, uh, no matter who your parent is, if there's love and there's respect there and there's self-confidence, this is what you need. Also, don't have a child unless you're ready to give all those qualities to them. Now, it's a simple little children's book about a bird and a, a fake parrot that happened to my child. But it's been in my mind for decades. My son's 26 now. And as I see this happening in children and seeing my 11th grade students have babies and go, ooh, breastfeeding is icky, or ooh, I'm going to go to this party instead of you know, take care of my child, I feel like this is a passion that I want to get the story out. I read The Giving Tree to my 11th grade students every single mm -hmm. class. Relationships, healthy relationships. Okay, so here's this little children's story I want to get out, almost as a passion and a desire to improve society and children. The other book is from my teaching standpoint of view, a nonfiction of years and years of students, the ones who make it with or without parent support, the ones who can't because they have nothing from the background, and it's humorous at times, it's tender, it's touching, it's a series of situations. Um, with kids that I hope when people read it, they'll consider before they have a child again. Or if they have a child, they'll consider how they have this huge influence over the child. Da, 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 da. Okay, you kind of get the gist of it. I only have a desire to write these two books, and then I want to go back to reading your books and loving them and saying, oh, I wish this didn't end. Is there a place for personal life? Yeah, but I'm going to tell you what the problem is, is that was the same way. Whenever you get those two written, yeah. you're going to be, you'll have the bug. It's bitten you, and you won't, the bug will bite you after you finish the first oh, one. that's okay, and you won't stop. to retirement, but I don't see myself in the company yeah. of you as authors. I don't see myself that talented, except that I've but, always been able to write better than I speak, well, and I have this passion that comes out. As a publisher... I'm not interested in a one-book author. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to invest in you and do the marketing and everything, it's a big package. Yeah. Um, I want to keep you. And with your first book, you're going to build a fan base and you'll get followers. So, you know, most publishers, when you submit, you say, here is a book and you need to publish this. This is great. And I've got three more I'm working on. And we'll go, oh, well, maybe let's take a look at this person. I guess because I'm so honest, too. I don't know what the other books would be, except I know yeah. the time's right now yeah. because so many things about but the way they But the feedback you'll get from not only your readers and, and oh, throughout the industry, you'll find something, I bet. I'm telling you right now, the first, the first time you get <coughs> a fan letter, you'll be like, 
this is where this I'm is supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> I will never give this up. <laughs> what about university presses? Is that the same attitude or no? I don't get that sense. I, me, I, don't, I don't think, I, honestly, I'm, I'm not an editor, so I don't really yeah. work with authors at that stage, but... Of course, with the university presses, we're, we work with a lot of professors, so they, you know, that's what they do. Okay. And they oh, have to publish, prolific. you know, to keep their career going. But I don't think that we would reject someone who has written a good manuscript simply because but I, I don't know that I would say that. Right, right. I mean, it's nice, of course, but yeah. you can't always, if, a, if an author writes a second book, you can't assume that they'll publish with you again. You know, that's yeah. your choice. Your, your larger publishing houses probably won't feel that way as much as the, the smaller presses, because the smaller presses actually they build relationships far better as far as with the niche that they, they work in. She yeah. has a niche. Woodlum Press has a niche and so forth. It's the same as uh, an agent. I have two agents. One is in London and one is in New York. And they want to work on projects. Not They're not my agent. And that's what most of the agents are. Yeah. They look at. They're not looking at they are your agent. They are your book's agent. This book. And then if you have another one, they'll look at it and possibly go on. Yeah. So, but when I wouldn't worry too much. Yeah. About. But but then again, you know. But write it. Yeah. Get it out of your head. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to do anything with it up there. I just heard it this yeah. summer. I want to get okay. it out. It's been in there forever. <laughs> get it out before it drives you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's pleasurable, but I'd rather have other people learn from it. I mean, oh, yeah. it's kind of altruistic. Um, I don't expect to get rich from it, but I. tell you another good uh, editor someone that that I think is extremely extremely good is uh, Jeff Fuller. Yes. Fuller. He's really Fuller. Good. Jeff Fuller. Fuller. He's from here in Charleston. He's right here in Charleston. Sandy's Parkersburg. Jeff's from here. Jeff L E R. G E O F F. Oh, Yeah, Evergreen Syndicate. F U L L E R. Yeah. Evergreen Syndicate. She used to. Well, she used to, yes. Uh, Karen Fuller, uh, he, yeah, he. Um, if you read uh, Reader's Digest, there's a there's a column they do every once in a while where they take Writer's Digest. Uh, Writer's Digest. I'm sorry, Writer's Digest. Yes, where they where they take uh, the first page of a manuscript and they just red pen it, mm -hmm. you know, and tell you everything that needs to be fixed with it. And Jeff is one of the uh, editors that they that they tap to do that. So um, he's an incredible editor. He edits most of the Woodland Press books, and he's he's very good, very thorough. He's one of my really teachers. Uh, I, I, as an editor, 
he's my my second set of eyes. Anything that I do myself, I'd never send anything out without it going through him. Yeah. We are very he's lucky to have we're very lucky to have him as a resource here in Charleston. Yeah. Did you suggest someone for me the two books that I've learned about? I would I'd go through Jeff. I, I thought too. I could give you my. I know a lot of freelance copy editors who are very good. If you'd like to have my card, I can. Punctuation and all. I mean, English teacher. Right. Editing. Editing is the. Who else has a question? Oh goodness. This lady. Um, you mentioned video book. We talked about e-books, and I'm not sure. Um, a video book. A video book you bought for me. It's it's on a CD. Or DVD. Oh, we do them. We do our own production. We can. It, we can. You can. We sell the whole package. Some people want the book. We also sell travel packs. <coughs> so you've got an audio book, a coloring book, a box of crayons. <laughs> You know, we try to hit all the markets. Do you like people that do their own, or do you only? No, we would do it. Yeah, most publishers, if they're going to do an audio book, they're going to do it in-house. They're not going to ask you to do it. Yeah. So. Well, they've got access to the equipment. What if that yeah. Well, then we'll talk to you. That's what they do for a living. Yeah, <laughs> that would be different. Okay. This gentleman right here in front. In this thing that you pass out to start with, it says you include all these things, and one of those is your resume. How important is for your professional credentials and the relationship of all this to just the story? Like, what if you're you have no credentials, but the story is really awesome? You know, or what if you know, like, how is all that? Well, I think in? at least for us as a university press, like I, I like this is my handout. We have Vandalia Press, which, which is an imprint, WVU Press. And Vendelli is more creative sort of thing. I don't know if that's what you would be interested in. Well, are you going to take me more seriously if I have an English degree or if I'm a college dropout? Or no, no. If it's a good manuscript, it will be yeah. read and you'll be yeah. you know, put in touch. I mean, we, we published Glenn Taylor's first novel, that, The Ballad of Trench Mouth. Um, yeah. But, and then he was put in touch with HarperCollins and he has a second book out and, you know, so, of course, he's a professor of English, but I don't think that matters as much as the quality of the work. Yeah. I think an adjunct to that is the platform. Yeah. I want to address what the platform is. Mm -hmm. And I don't, think it, to the I don't think it hurts to um, try to get in touch with editors via email before you send a manuscript. Um, you know, just get in touch and develop a bit of a relationship first to see if they're even interested. Well, the first thing I want to know is what you do. You know, I know what your book's about. What do you do? Mm -hmm. Just because it, it's important. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have time to fly from airport to airport. No. That's a marketing tool. Especially if you're doing a nonfiction book and it's on a particular subject and if you have your resume and it has you worked in this particular field yeah. for several yeah. years, it's going to help. Yeah, yeah you can pull those yeah. people in who do something similar to you. Yeah. And, like, and likewise, like, is it, you're looking across these, you know, when I, I reference all these books up here and say I've never been published, like, what sells? Is it the cover or is it the content? Is it the combination? <laughs> and when you say sells, are you saying what sells to a publisher or are you saying what sells to the public? Well, 
you're not going to publish something if you're not going to make money. Right. I'm a, maybe I'm not a writer, but I'm a capitalist, right? Like, if these aren't going to sell, you're not going to publish. Right. So, how important is, like, can you? Well, the the conferences I've been to, they tell us that we have 2.2 seconds in a bookstore to get the attention of a book buyer. Wow. If they yeah. pick it up, you've got 1.2 seconds for them to decide whether they're going to buy it. So, regardless of what we learn in school, a book is judged by its cover. <laughs> that is so true. And if you have a cover, and I didn't bring a book, I've got a perfect example of a cover that has nothing to do with the cover, and it never sold. Yeah. You know, we, we tried to make it enticing. It has to feel good, what you were saying. You know, my father and former father-in-law sold cattle. He bought everything by the pound. It didn't matter what it was. So if he'd pick it up and go, $16.95? So it's got to look good. It's got to feel good. And all that's important to, yeah. to marketing in the bookstore. Yeah. Now, are you, are you now are you interested in fiction or nonfiction? Because it's a it's a little bit different depending on. Mm -hmm. Now with all the above. All the above. Well, one thing I will say about fiction is this: uh, Noah Lukman has a book out. It's called The First Five Pages, and the premise of this book is that if you're writing a novel, you have five pages to capture an editor, uh, a reader. Um, just to give you an idea of what an, e an editor's office is like, uh, imagine stacks of paper where, you know, all over the desk, on shelves, I mean, the office just literally covered covered in manuscripts. You've been to my office. I've been, <laughs> there, I've been to a lot of offices. I've been to my office. <laughs> and, an and an editor, when they pick up a, when they, especially after a long day, when an editor picks up a story, they want to say no. Not because they hate you. Not because they they don't want to see a good story. They got they got it in for you. They say, they have to say no. They want to say no because the sooner they can say no to this, they can go to the next stack, the next one that's in the stack of of 1,000 novels that they've got to get through. So yeah, you have to you have to catch them in the first five pages. Uh, in a short story, you may have a paragraph. So yeah, you so yeah so. So yeah, when you're when you're writing, you definitely want to have yeah. you definitely want to capture the you, you definitely want to have something that hooks that hooks the editor because again, when you think about it, when you go in the bookstore, you open up you open up the book, you read the first couple paragraphs. If it doesn't grab you, you stick it back. So actually, five pages, an editor is being more generous to you than than a reader. At the same time, trying to determine what is marketable. Uh, especially in a novel, will drive you insane. It will destroy your career. That's what I was going to, because, I was going to say. Yeah, because, you know, it's like, well, I, I want to, what's popular right now? Books on vampires. I should write a book on vampires. Too yes, late. Too late. <laughs> the train has already left. And yet, when you think of it, that the average, that the average, um, the average book from the moment that you submit a manuscript till to it being accepted, to them doing to them doing galleys, to you proofreading the galleys, to them uh, getting a marketing plan together. If you're lucky, it'll take two years. What's going to, you have, and I know how, how hard this is going to be to hear, but if you want to get a book accepted, you need to come up with a book that's going to be popular two years from now. How do you figure out what that is? Well, you can't. 
publishers can't figure out what's going to be popular two years from now. So ultimately what you have to do is you have to write the best book you can write. And if you have to sit on it until something that subject is popular and you can find a market for it, so be it. But ultimately you have to write the best book that, that you can write about the sub, about subjects that interest you. And if it and you could have a hit. You if you wind up writing the you know, hitting it at the right time, then it's wonderful, you know, and if if you have to wait a few years and then suddenly the market swings back around and suddenly your book is is popular again, you know, that subject is good, fantastic. You know? Yeah, and the first novel I ever published was written by a woman in Charleston and it was Pavon That's terrific pirate adventure. It's a work of fiction. She did a ton of research. And I loved it, and we decided to start publishing fiction. My fiction imprint is Publisher Page. Headline Books publishes nonfiction, and my children's book division is Headline Kids. So we had this pirate adventure, and I held it and released it when the second movie, Pirates of the Caribbean, came out. Mm -hmm. And we had the author dressed as a pirate carrying a treasure chest. And Genius. It did. Yes. We taped. <laughs> We taped a key in the back of every book that we distributed locally, and they had the keys. Uh, they brought the key back to the West Virginia Book Festival, see if they could open the treasure chest a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, publishers look at that kind of stuff. Plus, we had an actor from the first movie do a blurb for the back cover. So it was Johnny Depp. <laughs> and we tried. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Man, would that be an orchestra? <laughs> that's the kind of thing, you know, publishers and your marketing people are, are working I think, on. I think, um, well, you said you're a capitalist, but you have to remember that a lot of presses, especially university presses, are nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we want to make money, and that is our goal. But um, we're, we're within the walls of a university, so... Um, we're expected to promote and stimulate the creation of art, whether it's a children's book or nonfiction or literature, whatever it is. So I think even as an author, that's what you should keep in mind when you're writing. You know, you want to be part of that culture, not a capitalist. <laughs> yeah. Now going back to your thing about how you know how uh, you know as far as needing how, how important is your resume? You know, uh, it. How hard is it to break in as a, as a new writer? Now, of course, with nonfiction, you, you want to have some kind of a background that makes you, that gives you an insight to to what you're writing on. Um, as far as fiction is concerned, yeah, the story is king. Uh, it's nice it's nice to have um, published works behind you because that does say that you, that you uh, have you know you've put in the time and you've vetted. But if the story isn't there, I you know as I mean, when I when I first read stories for my anthology, um, cover letters the last thing I look at, it's absolutely. And I had somebody who sent me a poem who was had had uh, was a finalist in the Pushcart Prize. Fantastic. Uh, had nothing to do the the poem they sent me had nothing to do with what my anthology was about. It didn't take place in the region I needed to be. It didn't have magic. So they didn't in follow it. the guidelines. So they didn't follow the guidelines. Wow. They could, they, they, could be, they could have won the Pushcart Prize 10 years in a row. I can't use that story because it's, I couldn't use the poem because it wasn't what I needed. You know? And somebody who, I'd, who had absolutely nothing on their resume um, you know, said, I've never, you know, they've never published before. But the, if the story is good, 
well, I'll be the first to publish them. And what a wonderful, I would love to be somebody who broke someone. You know, it's like, oh, they, they published with me first before they got yeah, there. Who doesn't, want, who doesn't <laughs> want an undiscovered writer, you know? Oh, yeah. Every publisher wants to discover the great next Oh, writer. yeah. I don't think, I think on my guidelines when it says include your CV, I think that, especially for me as a marketer, it's, it's, a, it help, it's very helpful in thinking about how to market and wow. sell the book. It's not necessarily that you have this amazing background that, of course, you'll be a great writer. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily yeah, the main goal of it. Yeah, the story it, will tell you. To get back to what you were saying about um, what's hot or whatever, I would suggest write what, where your passion is. Yeah. Because uh, I had, that, that was one of the things, too, that, that helped me. I had a, uh, a New York writer who I had the opportunity to spend some time with, and he told me one day after reading one of my stories, he said, Michael, he said, you're one of the most passionate people I've ever met in my life. When you figure out how to put that on page, you're going to be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, what? what do you mean? So, but the point is, is write what you want to write, what you have the passion for, and it will show. It will come across on the page. Yeah. And the people like her will read it, and, and it, will, it will come across. That passion will. Yeah. I guarantee you she will publish something that she feels that passion about more so yeah. than anything. And something else that I uh, always tell authors, when you get rejected, um, every book touches a publisher or an editor in a different way. Um, and they could, they could be sick that day, you know, whoever opened the mail. We usually are sick. But, <laughs> but I've, I've had Vietnam vet books come to me. This is personal to me, so I'm going to look at it. But you don't know that. And if I reject it, I won't tell you that. So that's why I'm saying don't take it personally when you get rejected. I mean, I, I take on a lot of projects because they mean something to me personally because I know that I've got the expertise to market, push that author and get those books out there. So it's yeah. not necessarily just you, they yeah. might, might love the work, but it's... Because many of the great classics, many of the, the best-selling books that we know of have been rejected several times before they found the publisher that was willing Betsy to Betsy Byers yeah. comes to mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Confederacy of Dunces. He never saw it published yeah. in his lifetime. Committed suicide. He died. Yeah, yeah he committed suicide. His mom he, kept and his mom and his mom pushed it, and it, of course, you know, it's it won the Pulitzer. Yeah, it won the Pulitzer. This lady back here with the braid. Um, yeah, I know it was like um, putting cart for the horse a little bit, but with marketing, since it has been discussed a lot, how much should the uh, the author expect what percentage should you expect to pay for your marketing? What do you put into your marketing versus what gets put in by your publisher? Um, we don't expect our authors to provide any sort of monetary contribution in marketing. Providing for travel and yeah, your expenses. You can expect to, to, to do a lot on your own. Yeah. Because you're gonna do more than, than any publisher will. I don't care how I mean, even what she does, she, it surprises me to hear that the length that she goes, and uh, my gosh, this is someone that you really want to, you want, you want a publisher like that, and you want to, you know, also in the university press, they'll go to bat for you as well, but you're going to do most of it on mm -hmm. your own. Uh, the other day, I told my wife, I'm not doing a book signing Saturday, do you want to do anything? And she was like, you're not doing a book sign? <laughs> <Is that laughs> 
lot of hard work. I said, well, oh, yeah. you know, maybe I can cut the grass or something like that. And she's, Why are you not doing the book signing? I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, and I, I and yeah. I'm always, always going and, and doing something along those lines, and uh, because. If I don't, the books are not going to sell. And I'll tell you the reason why is this. You, you have uh, a, a, a bookstore that buys, let's say, 50 of your books, and you go to do a book signing, and you do a big thing with them. Uh, just you being there will end up selling all of those books if you keep going back. They'll never return them. And the publishers don't want returns, and you don't want returns, because returns look bad on you. So... Mm the more, the more that you go out and you're able to do... Uh, now, they're not expecting you to pay them money to, to do it. Any publisher that would tell you that, mm-hmm. you don't want to yeah. deal with. No, I was just wondering for, you know, like, do publishers expect you, oh, well, you really need to put in an appearance in California, and then you got to kind of work that into your, your whole budgetary thing. I mean, well, with us, when, you know, we book the events we want to do... And then I put out a call to 50 authors and say, who wants to come? (laughs) And, you know, everybody can't do everything, but... The writers who want to come get published again, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because when writers, when the author is at the event, we sell books. Books do not sell themselves. I can tell her all about this book. It's not going to mean near the same as if Melinda's here and can sign it. Dear Betsy, it was nice to meet you. <laughs> you know, I hope you love uh-huh. my book. Absolutely. And I can tell you right now, the, the, the sole reason that I'm editing an anthology right now for Woodland Press is because the last, you know, three years that they've, you know, that they've been putting out the Legends of the Mountain State series, which I'm in all of these volumes, is any time that uh, the publisher asked me to do a book signing, I was there, you know. And they knew... He knew that he, that if he gave me a book to edit, that I would get behind it and market it. So he was willing to take a chance on me. This is my first editing project. The more and more uh, that we see nowadays in publishing, because there are such fewer markets to, to publish to, and there are far more writers that are trying to be published, it's it's getting really competitive. And, oh, yeah. and publishers are going to look for someone that is willing to go out there and and yeah. market. And if you have a blog that has 4,000 readers, do New York publishers notice that? Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Now, they won't be the. Now, obviously, if your book doesn't have the goods, not, all the marketing in the world is not going to matter. I mean, you ultimately, you do have to bring out a good book. But although many New York Times bestsellers are not, don't yeah. bring the goods. <laughs> they don't bring the goods, but they have, but they have a, a great deal of, of marketing behind them. Yeah. But I mean, if if you're willing to go out there and and there's with social mar- you know with with social networking as it is and all of it free you don't pay for a facebook account you don't pay for a twitter account um, you don't pay for uh, goodreads which is a, which is a um, sort of like uh, it's kind of like facebook for for writers i mean it's it's a it's a library kind of a thing you know you talk about books and 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 library authors thing. yeah library thing well, can't you see i talk to english real good <laughs> And, none of, and there's no and there's no cost to any there's no co- cost to any Where of that are you stuff. From, anyway? <laughs> the library thing is actually a website. It is. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, so there's a lot of good way there's a lot of good ways of getting yourself out there. Um, quick caveat though is that uh, in the World Wide Web nothing ever goes away. So 
uh, be on your best behavior because <laughs> because it it will it will haunt you forever if you're not. I've seen I've seen good authors explode on the internet. There is I'll give you the best I'll give you the best example is a very popular author got a got a poor review on Amazon.com um, and decided to respond to it with a what they call in the internet wall of text. I mean, pages and pages of just this nasty screed of why this person didn't have the right to say what they said about this book. I'm not going to name that author because we want to protect the innocent, but I will say that um, to this day, they, uh, the word for, um, for going off on somebody on Amazon is known as ricing out. <laughs> I won't say who. <laughs> we'll just say. It's about the marketing beforehand. I am finished the book. I'm, I want to get it published. I'm working for it. I have a blog and a website and trying to push it. How much, how do I do that? I don't have a book, so I can't say I have a book to sell you. How do you market something that you don't have yet, but a lot of publishers do want to see that you're marketing, that you're putting yourself out there, yet... How do you do an appearance when you don't have a book? I mean, there's, there's kind of a, a weird little balance there. Um, you can build a name with short stories and, and okay. so forth like yeah. that. There's anthologies. You get your name into magazines. Magazines. Yeah. yeah. And what, before long, uh, you know, the right people are going to see those names. And quite honestly, whenever you're a, an editor and a name comes across that you recognize, I'll tell you another one, too, is conferences and workshops and and things that you can you can go out and you can mix and mingle and you can meet these people because I'm going to tell you right now if I have an, uh, an anthology that I'm I'm working on and I have room for one more story and I have two great stories in front of me and I have to choose one of the two I'm going to go with the one that I know if I've met someone and it may not be as great of a story as the other one but I know this person I know they're a good person I know yeah. that they'll go out and they'll help push the book, I'm going with them every time. So go out and meet as many people as you possibly can and be yeah. good when you do it. Don't be mean and Oh yeah. You know, and I mean like Brian. Brian Yeah. I mean <laughs> but there you go. Uh, and I I don't know how many of you are interested in writing genre fiction, but uh, in October the World Fantasy Convention is going to be in Columbus, Ohio. So, yeah, go. It's I mean, yes. I mean, it doesn't get closer than that, folks, honestly. And you know, if you if you're talking to if you're talking to an editor and say I, I'm working on this, I think this would really be a good match for you. He goes, "Oh, well, send it to me." How nice is it to be able to send them a cover letter saying, "I met you at World Fantasy in Columbus, Ohio. You asked me to send you this." Yeah. It goes right to the editor. Right. You know? Where you say, well, the editor asked for it, you know. So, I'm in. but you better make sure that they did ask for it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't lie about we it. We remember. <laughs> oh yes. And I can and and I can definitely tell you, uh, especially in genre fiction, um, we're a very small family. You know, if if you offend one of us, the rest of us is going to hear about it. If you're rude, if you're rude to an editor, you, then, you know, if you send somebody a hateful letter. Uh, we'll all know, every one of us. You need to create a pseudonym then. <laughs> yeah, create a, create a pseudonym. Give it to you, give it to your son. And, and don't stalk him either, okay? Guys? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This lady right here wants a question. Yeah, my question. Um, for the marketing, if you do have to go to California, on whose dime is the airfare? 
if they tell you that you have to go, then they're going to pay well, for it. they ask you to go. I mean, yeah. I think unless it's a really a New York publisher or a large publisher, I think you can pretty much depend on that national book tour is kind of dead now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, even for local bookstores. Um, well, I mean, if... Or even for local publishing in West Virginia. Well, if we published a book and we wanted you to do an event, we unless it were in the contract that we we didn't have, we couldn't afford to do that. You could expect to be, you know, reimbursed for gas mileage or hotel room or something like that. And that's pretty normal. But I know, I mean, everybody's struggling right now, so you, I wouldn't, ex I wouldn't expect that we would send you out everywhere unless it's very local. Count that mileage on your taxes. Yeah, yeah. count everything yeah. on your taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went to Hawaii a couple of years ago and wrote, <laughs> wrote it off. Well, and I tell my authors, whenever you're traveling, you let me know a month in advance, six weeks in advance, and we'll book you book signing. Yes. You know, yeah. in Florida or Hawaii yes. or wherever. So you can yes. write it off as a business yeah. expense. Plus, we move books that way. We get them the one through Walden's and Borders. Yeah, no, no publisher's ever been upset because an author booked their own, yeah. uh, booked an appearance somewhere. Yeah. Uh, let's take another question, and then I, and I'd like to have, uh, if you guys don't mind, uh, time for them to look at your books and maybe talk with you just a few minutes. Sure, so absolutely. And, uh, I didn't bring any yeah, of my because I know Fanny Petit's They have all of my, my books oh, yeah. out there. Thanks for sweating with us out, by the way, <laughs> yeah. guys. We appreciate yeah. it. I wanted to say what he was talking about, about going to events. Mm -hmm. I met two authors in New York the end of May. One was from Charleston. West Virginia, one was from Kentucky, and oh, yeah. had I not been there and had they not come, we probably would have never connected. Mm -hmm. And I met with uh, the gentleman from Kentucky while I was here on this trip, and we're going to sign him. Mm -hmm. So it's getting around, and it doesn't have to be New York. There are tons of conferences. In fact, let, let me just say real quick, uh, next year, I'm putting together a major writer's workshop, and you guys are the first to hear about this other than Brian. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I have the dates written down, but I, I don't have them in my head because I have voices in there that's keeping them. MichaelNoss.com. Yeah, MichaelNoss.com. You'll find uh, Peter Straub is going to be coming. Uh, Heather Graham is going to be coming. Uh, he mentioned Noah Lukeman. Um, He'll be coming. Jessica Page. What's her name? Um, Morel. Morel. Does your website have information about your teaching workshop next Saturday? Yes. Okay. Yes. And if you want to, if you want to talk about that afterwards, you can. Uh, it's in Huntington, but it is on on my website. And I want to well. say a, a really excellent uh, conference okay. is AWP Associated Writing Programs. You do have to become a member, but it doesn't cost a whole lot. The conference itself is fairly cheap. But when I was at the one in New York year before last, there were over 500 yeah, publishers. What happens is you go past their desk, I mean their table, and they're like, do you have something? Can I see something? It's a tremendous opportunity. And next year, next year it's going to be in Washington, D.C. That's drivable. Oh, yeah. So AWP, AssociatedWritingPrograms.org or something like that, just Associated Writing Programs, Google that. It's really, I've been three times, and I'm going to go next year. It's really a wonderful opportunity. This lady right here for the last question. So, so, so I'll ask you a question. Just like they do in movies that go straight to video, are they doing yet books that go straight to ebook? And if so, how do they edit those? They edited the same way. They edited the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So they do, are, are they as, as what? Assiduous, thank you. Are they as assiduous as strict if they are on e-editing? Uh, so so oh yeah. Yeah, they, well, they, yeah. if they're good, they are. 
Uh, you're going to see more. You're going to see more. You're going to see more magazines uh, go like on, on a website than you're going to see a, necessarily a whole lot of just straight to straight to ebook. Especially now that you have what they call print on demand, it is so easy to get a to get a bound book. Um, but the editing is the key to it. Yeah, I mean, I would like honestly, I'm not really worried about this e-revolution. I don't think no, the paper either. book is going to. Yeah. Not, it's not going to die, and I don't think of it as the demise of publishing. I just think it's like a bit of a revolution. I mean, yeah. everything changes. Because ultimate, <laughs> ultimately, whether it's electronic or it's paper, they need words, and they need them from you. And, you know, you want to be respected. Like, you want to make sure you go to a publisher who's going to edit it, who's, right. you know, needs oh, to yes. be established. And I think it'll always And one thing we're way. doing with uh, several of the novels, we're doing book trailers. Oh, yeah. Book, book trailers. trailers. Yeah, we do that as well. So it's like a movie trailer, only it's for the book. Yeah, and now that you have things like YouTube where you can ju you can edit something and put it uh, put it online, uh, and it's there, I mean... Yeah, we do that with our books, too, and it's great because we're associated with the university, so the university helps us promote them. Yeah. And you can't take a Kindle to the bathtub. Exactly. <laughs> well, you can, once. <laughs> I want to thank everybody here for coming. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Thank you very much. And that wraps things up for our publishing panel as recorded at Taylor Books in Charleston. We'd like to thank Taylor Books for having us out, as well as the members of the panel for giving their time to participate in this event. We have two more such West Virginia Writers-sponsored events from Festival to bring to you. Our next one was also recorded at Taylor Books and features readings by a few of the authors from our anthology, Seeking the Swan. They'll be bringing some of the material from that book, as well as some of the things they've been working on since they became winners of our annual writing contest. Next week, however, we'll be speaking with Rhonda White, our traditional go-to gal for our Memories of Conferences more recent podcasts. So for those of you who weren't able to make it to our 2010 summer conference, we'll be talking over some of the highlights. Our opening voiceover was provided by Marcus Vowell. Our show's theme music is used with permission by its composer, Pops Walker, who was at this year's summer conference and did a live version of the very music we use as the theme music for this show. This podcast is a production of Mr. Herman's Production Company Limited and was recorded atop a hill in Mercer County.